0: How many of you guys are familiar with Popeye? Okay, well, good. I was hoping I wasn't reaching too far back. But I thought it was like a perfect thing because, you know, we're, we've been talking so much about Popeye from who we are and, and, you know, what we represent and that we're unique and all the different things. So I thought, that's perfect, you know. actually goes in exactly what I'm going to teach on. So that was fabulous. But Popeye was making this, like, fabulous point. And the fact that there's only one Washington, one Lincoln, one... Popeye, one himself. And uh, I made the point the last couple weeks that, you know, despite the fact that there may be people that are like you, someone that may like the same things that you like or or may even look like you, maybe a person that has brown hair, brown eyes, whatever, the same as you, you are unique. You are a completely different person than anybody else that walks on this planet. I mean, there's something very unique about you. And uh, there's no one... I mean there, there's nobody Even when they find people that are very similar There's always something that will set you apart To be different It's kind of like that snowflake thing You know, They say that no two snowflakes are the same You are your own unique snowflake Okay <laughs> You are who you are Popeye says the best I am what I am Have you guys heard that, him say that before He's like I am what I am That's, That was his whole entire point That he was always saying So we've been talking about who you are And these last four weeks, I mean, those last four weeks went by fast. I don't know about you guys, but I was looking and thinking, man, I pulled out my messages and I was thinking, wow, that that went by awfully fast. Um, We talked about the fact that you are unique and how you were created by God. And, you know, the thing that you have to understand is that you did not crawl out of the ocean and you are not descendants of monkeys. Um, It's not the case. And, uh, you know, you have to understand that how you see yourself And how you see that you were created is going to completely reflect on the fact um, of how you're going to really look at yourself in this world and how valuable you are going to be. And if you see yourself as having no worth, you know, maybe because of guilt or shame or or something that you really dislike about yourself or something that maybe you hide inside yourself, um, you're probably going to really treat yourself no better than you would. And I made the analogy that week of basically treating yourself like an old junk car. If you have an old junk car, you don't, you don't go through the car wash. You wouldn't waste the money. Um, you would never really probably spend the time that it's going to take, an hour and a half or whatever it is, to vacuum out your car and make it look good. You know, chances are you're not going to spend all that time. You're not going to really put the effort into your car. You're definitely going to park wherever you want to park. It doesn't matter if someone dings into it. It doesn't get a you – know, you're not going to care. And, uh, you know, you're definitely not going to be worried about it. And I think that we have to understand that you are very valuable and that you're worth something. And you shouldn't look at yourself as something that is no good or not worthy because you are very valuable in the eyes of God. Also, you're unique because of the personality that God gave you specifically. Um, Some of you are probably way more sensitive and uh, emotional than other people are. How many of you guys would say you're probably more on the sensitive, emotional side? You'd be willing to say. How many of you guys would say that you're maybe more bold and just, Things kind of roll off. It's no big deal. You know, that kind of a personality. We're we're made different. We're different than other people. You know, some of you people out there may be completely shy and would never talk unless someone, like, basically forces you to and you're spoken to. And, uh, in fact, you probably never can hardly even remember initiating a conversation with someone on your own. You wait for other people to come talk to you because you're shy. Um, some of you probably would never feel right if you didn't really be friendly and make a friend, almost a new friend, every single day. Because that's you. That's your personality. That's who you are. And uh, some of you are leaders. Some of you are followers. Some of you are otters, golden retrievers, and beavers, and lions, exactly. Um, but these things are what make you. You. I mean, we are all very individual, and, and we're unique. And, uh, you know, the thing is though with the forgiveness of Jesus, and we, we start to see ourselves as one of um, his children, created by God. And the fact that we can really just see our reflection from his point of view, we can see that we can like ourselves. And, and despite the fact that we may have deep pains and hurts in our lives and, and things like that, that we can really be valuable and, and we're something and unique. You're also going to be very different because of your environment that you're living. I mean, each one of us has different home lives. I mean, not everybody lives in a, they called it the nuclear family, you know, where it was a father, mother, and brothers, sister, that kind of a thing no more. A lot of times there are stepbrothers and sisters, or half-brothers and sisters, or you know, cousins live with people, grandparents live with them. I mean, there's, there's all these different settings of home life now. So your environment's going to make up really who you are also. Um, the household, the siblings, the parents, um, all those different things are going to form you into the person that you are today. Um, we spoke also in those last poor, uh, past four weeks about the fact that you may not even really know who you really are. You may be play-acting a lot of the times. You may be a person that kind of maybe on the outside puts up a front and acts as though they're very happy all the time and maybe go home and you're not so happy. Or you may be a person that really is, um, maybe gets around a bunch of people and you're really talkative and friendly and up front and really when you go back home you think that's really not who you really are. You kind of just play-act And I told you, um, as far as the description, what I was trying to get you to understand is the fact that in our faith, there's a lot of people that pretend like they are something in their faith, maybe more spiritual than they really are. And uh, Jesus says he doesn't really appreciate that. He wants people to be true and real. And I don't think anybody should ever pretend to be more spiritual than they ever are. I think that God just wants us to be honest with him. You know, if you struggle, if you don't know for sure what you believe, you know what, I think he completely honors you just sitting back and just saying, you know what, I'm not going to pretend. He doesn't like it. I mean, Jesus threw out his word. He called people hypocrites. And the hypocrite was at that time, the word meant an actor. And somebody that basically was wearing a mask and pretended to be something. And Jesus absolutely despised it. He hated hypocrisy. Called people, you frauds, you liars, you hypocrites. And uh, he never wants us to put off people by really pretending and play acting. Um, there's a lot of people that are out there pretending. A lot of people that are acting in a far different way in their daily lives than they are around certain people. And I told you, I said, very few people probably play act with me because I mean, I'm no one to impress. Who cares? But I do find that I think a lot of people will probably pretend like to be a, a certain type of person around maybe their parents or maybe someone else's parents. We watch Living a Beaver. Eddie Haskell. Is a perfect example of this, isn't he? Eddie Haskell. Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Cleaver, and he's so super nice to him. But as soon as Eddie gets along alone with Wally and the Beeb, what does he do? Hey, shrimp. Hey, you little <laughs> little little uh, squirt. He says to Bert, uh, to Beaver. He says mean things to him, and hurtful things. And he's also trying to pick fights. And he's trying to act like he's a lot cooler than he is. And then, of course, he gets around by Mr. and Mrs. Cleaver again, and he acts all you know straightened up again. A lot of people pretend like they're something when they're around priests or pastors. You know, they act as though they're way more spiritual, like, you know, that they they hold themselves different. They act like they're different people. And and I think that's really a shame that we're just not honest, you know, that we just can't be ourselves. Last week, we kind of talked about selfishness, and we talked about commitment. And uh, I told you the story about the hen and the pig. I told you about the story that um, the hen and the pig were out in the barnyard. barnyard. They're walking around, and here hear this truck goes by, and it says, you know, um, ham and eggs on the side of it. And the hen turns and looks at the, uh, the pig and says, you know, aren't we, you know, we're both the same. We both, you know, really give of ourselves to um, make a nice breakfast for our caregivers. You know, you know, I give up the eggs, and, you know, you give up the, the bacon. And, you know, the pig turns and looks at the hen and says, yeah, that's true. But, you know, you give up a day's work and I give up my whole life, you know, for that. So, you know, the thing is there's different amounts of commitment and selflessness that we really give in our lives. And each one of you is made different. I really pray that each one of you will start to really understand that we're always called. I don't care if you're a believer, or not a believer. You're always called to be a lot less um, selfish, we're supposed to be people who give to other people and help. And uh, obviously last week we talked about that because the fact that the whole situation of what it was, it was Passion Week, the week that led up to um, Christ being crucified for us. And I told you how this, our Savior, our Master Jesus Christ, was so passionate about those that he came to serve that he obviously gave it all, gave every bit of himself, and... Uh, really as a sacrifice for each one of us. And uh, we have to understand that as Christ did this, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be that same type of personality. God's word constantly tells us to follow him in the things that he did. And that's in um, being faithful, and that's also in being selfless, to put other people first, to care about others, and, and less about ourselves all the time. I made the point, and actually Dr. Ivana Tinkle said the same thing up here. The fact is what we're supposed to do is we are supposed to um, put God first, others second, and then always ourselves last. And obviously in this world we're not like that. I've met very selfish people. As a mom, I'm going to tell you, taking care of my family, I've learned really early on, and I started having kids, I was 19, I realized early on that, you know what, I had no opportunity to be selfish. It was always about helping the family or doing something. And I was always last. And I'll tell you, I mean, Shelby's 24, going to be 24 in a couple weeks, and Cameron's 21, and it hasn't changed. I mean, I'm still, they still are first, and my family's first, and I'm always last. And and that's all right, because that's really what I'm called to do. That's my job, and that's okay with me. But, you know, you may still be confused, Even though we talked about these last, you know, in these last four weeks, we've talked about all these different things that made you unique. We've talked about so many different messages and the ways to look at things. We've done personality quizzes. And uh, we also did that Johari window. You know, we talked about things that maybe we see ourselves in a certain way, others see ourselves in a certain way, things that we don't notice about ourselves that other people are noticing. And then some things about us that, you know, what we would be really... Um, probably, like, very put off to know that we do certain things, you know, that we kind of come across to people in different ways that we don't even see ourselves, you know. I've had people tell me certain things about myself. They're like, oh, that's, you know, you're just like that. I'm like, really? I, not how I see myself at all. You know, um, I'm, I'm definitely, I, I've told you many, many times, I come up here and, and teach, but the last thing I probably would have ever done about five years ago is to ever be a public speaker, Would never have been something I would have ever done. And as much as I absolutely love to have people over, I I have that's a struggle for me. I'm not a person who really, and I'll tell somebody, I'm not a really uh, person to have a lot of people in my house. And people are like, Why? You're always having people over, and you're like, But it's not my normal. It's not me. It's not who I naturally am. It's a kind of a fight because when I'm around people, I'm very, very friendly. But when I get home, I kind of like shut off. I'm one of those people that I'm very private, you know, kind of person. I have to fight that that side of myself. But, you know, you still may be confused, but I want you to think about the fact that, like Popeye said, there's only one Washington, there's only one Lincoln, there's only one Popeye, but there's only one you. You know? You am what you am. That's what you are. You know? You are unique. You are special. You are a person that's, that's got something for, going for you that no one else has. And I think sometimes we really lose that in ourselves. We don't remember or think about the fact that, you know, who you are. You may be a person who, maybe you can't do something special that other people do, but there's something about you that you can do better than them. You may just be very, very kind. Maybe a person that animals naturally gravitate to. and That that might be something. And, you know, I think we just have to understand that. But the really thing interesting that I want you to get out of this whole point that I'm making tonight is Popeye, when he says I am what I am, Do you know where that actually comes from? I'm going to explain to you. Because Popeye wasn't the first one to say it. When Popeye said, I am what I am, he actually got it from the Bible. In Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So we have to understand that you may be confused about who you are. But to know who you truly are, you really do have to know the I am. That's who God is. When God talks about who he, what his name is, he says his name is I am. That's what it is. There's no confusion from God whatsoever. You know, This is a God that knows exactly who he is. And he describes himself in such a simple way I think for us to understand so that we don't have any confusion about that. I mean, how simple is it to think his name is I Am? And I I think that's really an awesome thing. But I really want you to think about this. We're going to go through this tonight. I want you to notice something. I want you to really listen and notice something really important. Because we say the words I Am all day long, don't we? I mean, don't you think that we, we are constantly saying, you know, what we're going to do on a certain day or whether or not we're happy or sad or so many of things. I am, you know, maybe, maybe every time we actually say the words I am, we actually are making a statement that grabs God's attention because we use his first name. Did you ever stop to think of that? You know, when I say I am happy, maybe it's not I'm happy. Maybe it's I am happy. Getting God's attention. I am Lonely. I am sad. Or I am a terrible person. I am a wonderful person. Or I am a servant of God. Maybe what we do actually when we say all these things that we think we're making statements about us, maybe it's not so much about us as much as it is about getting God's attention every single time we say, I am that his name gets spoken and he recognizes and notices. Because we are his children. And he actually does care about every emotion and everything that you have in your minds, everything that you're feeling. So I want you to look at your, pull out your papers that you did. I put down, I am frustrated. I won't tell you exactly why. But I am frustrated. Anybody want to share a few of what they put down? Savannah? I'm a follower of Christ but still a okay. A follower of Christ but still a leader. That's perfect. That's perfect. Anybody else want to share something? Emily? That's what I am, ready, and real. ready and real. Good. Alexis? Just okay. Just fantabulous. That's perfect. That's wonderful. That's fantabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? How about a boy? How about Ron? Come on, Ron. Share, bud. I'm smart. That's right. Anybody else have something that's even longer? Not just even a few words. Maybe a statement. Does that <laughs> I won't ask you to share if you don't want to. <laughs> Alice. Okay. Okay. Alice is a writer, too, so you can tell. She likes to write, and she's a good writer. Anybody else want to share something? Anybody else have something that's really not so great? Something maybe that they've had a bad day, something that wasn't so wonderful? Anybody else want to share? Do you all have good things? Rachel, I'm a little depressed. Okay. And I think we all have things in our life, maybe good things some bad things, like I say, unique problems to our situations, things that we're going through. I think that we have to understand that when we say, I am, we get God's attention, and I do think he notices our pain and our hurts. He also notices other things about it, and we're going to go through that. When we talk about pains and hurts, there's parts in the Bible, and I'm going to kind of go through it, and point out what I'm saying to you. When we talk about hearing our pains and hurts, Psalm 69, 29 says, I am In pain and distress, may your salvation, O God, protect me. Psalm 75 says, Yet I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. He also hears when we confess our trust in him. We have trust in God. Some of us are followers of Christ. Some of us are living that life. When we confess our trust in him, like in Psalm 73, 23, he says, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Or 86, 2 says, um, Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God, Savior, servant, who trusts in you. There's numerous times in the Bible. I can't tell you how many times. 500, I think, is what I counted. But I mean, just a short amount of times that it says the words I am throughout the Bible. Because that's God's name. How many times a day do you tell people when you're in a conversation to sit there and say, you know, I am doing this tonight. I'm going to go here or I am not feeling really so great, or whatever. Do you think maybe we could actually be getting God's attention? Do you think maybe that's why he's aware of all of our pains and hurts? Because we don't think it. We don't even notice that he's noticing. But, you know, if someone every single day when they're talking said, Deb, not feeling so good. Deb, kind of a little lonely. Kind of gets your attention, doesn't it, when it's your name? So I'm thinking maybe we're constantly getting God's attention for these things. He also, um, hears our confessions. Throughout God's word it says, Isaiah 6, 5 says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He also hears our excuses. Exodus four ten says, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I think he's always notices the things that we say about ourselves, too. Sometimes we are our own worst enemies. I'm going to tell you, I'm a person that I, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of it. I, a lot of times, look at myself, and I really don't treat myself with as much respect. I don't treat myself with as much love, probably, as I should um, because of things I get frustrated with or I get upset about. He also... Um, There's a scripture that talks about answering his call. Isaiah 6 8 says, Here I am, Lord, send me. And in Genesis 46 2 it says, And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. He replied. So he hears our pride. A lot of times we say things about ourselves that comes across as maybe prideful. I am really great at that. I do that so great. You know, every single time I run down the court, you know, I can hit the basket. I'm, I'm good. So here's maybe our pride. A lot of times throughout our days, you know, I was walking out of the Y the other day, and obviously these, these, these older women that come and they must swim on a Tuesday morning. And uh, it's interesting watching some of those older women, and it kind of just makes me happy that I'm actually still only 43, even though I know that sounds so old to you. Because I look at some of those people, I'm thinking, oh man, (laughs) it's gonna be fun. It's going to be fun someday. But, I mean, these women were so, you know, they're so happy that they can run in a pool of water. (laughs) You know, and I'm thinking, wow, it's going to be really hard to get old. But, you know, they were talking. (laughs) I'm just thinking this is going to be not fun, I'll tell you. But, you know, I'm watching them walk out, and the one says to the other, I'll see you next Tuesday. And she goes, I'll be here. And I was thinking to myself, the statement, Deo Valente. God willing, you will be, because there's a statement that says that we mean, what it means is God willing, Dale valente. God's word actually says every time that we say, we assume that we're going to just, we have the opportunity to do this, like next week, I'm definitely going to be there. He says, God willing. It's kind of prideful for us to say that what we're going to do, what we're going to be, what we're going because we don't know what our lives really are going to, what's going to happen to us. But it was so interesting because right after the lady said it, she walked about another ten more steps and she turned around and she goes, God willing. And I thought, that was cool. <laughs> because I was just waiting. I was in my mind thinking, God willing. And it like, wasn't very long after she said God willing. I'm like, ah, I love God. It was just a great thing to see. Just to see that someone actually noticed to say God willing. It was so great. But a lot of times people in our futures, you know, when you guys are young, you'll tell your parents, you're going to tell all these teachers because God knows they're always pressuring you to tell them how great you're going to be when you're older. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a teacher, you know, mechanic. I'm going to be a football player. I'm going to be all these different things. God willing, you will be. But sometimes we come across really prideful about what we're going to do. And I'll tell you, a lot of times your parents just are like, yes, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I would love to hear you come out of your mouth just say, I'm going to be a servant of God. And you know what? I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm just going to be the best person I can be. That would make me impressed. There's a lot of people out there a lot of times saying, I am a good person. When we know truly what does God's word say, none of us are good. None of us are good enough. None of us are going to be good enough ever. <laughs> We're just There's some part inside of us that has this selfish bone that runs through us that we are first you know listen to me notice me so I definitely think that we have to understand that every time we see the word I am I think that we grab God's attention the good and the bad sometimes the pride sometimes really honestly just honest worship when we say I am worshiping you God and he sees it and it's true Exodus thirty three seventeen says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. There was also another man in the Bible that used that same words, I am what I am, that Popeye and God did. And he's my favorite guy in the Bible besides Jesus, and that's Paul. Um, what ends up happening with Paul is if you know the story, Paul persecuted Christians. He was a person who hated Christianity, despised it. He thought it was horrible. He thought it was just a despicable thing. And uh, what he did was he walked around and he persecuted and tried to kill all Christians that he could. He tried to cause them problems. He tried to cause them pain. He went after them. He tried to throw them in prison. And then what ends up happening is he's actually at the the first really uh, martyr for Christ is Stephen in the Bible. And Stephen is actually stoned to death. And I read something really interesting about this the other day. I I never realized, it was in my studies, it was talking about how we think about stoning people to death. They said it's not done the way we would think. And now my impression is you'd take, and all of a sudden you just start whipping stones at someone, right? That's what I would think. It's like they're stoning them, okay? That sounds like it is. But they said actually what they would really do is they would take you outside of the town a little bit, and they would have you walk up on top of a hill, a cliff type area and then they would push you off and it would actually have to be like twice as high as you are tall and they'd push you off this cliff until you fell and if that didn't kill you, they would have a priest that would stand there and basically it was the opportunity was for somebody to come up with a big boulder or rock and they'd come up to the top of the thing and they'd just drop it on you and smash your head and then the priest would come over and look and see if no, they're not dead, another one and drop it on you until you died. That's what it was all about. It wasn't like we sit there and stone people like a bunch of people doing it was actually more so, they said, the fact that people would just drop stuff. On, because they really didn't think it was right to hurt somebody who was already dead. They thought that that was bad. If you were dead, you shouldn't be throwing another rock on somebody. Because then you're supposed to honor the dead. But, you know, while you're alive, keep dropping rocks. It's fine. <laughs> you know, that's no problem. But, you know, it's interesting because Paul is actually there when Stephen's getting um, stoned. And actually, his clothes are thrown at the feet of Paul. Actually, his name was at that time Saul, and he was persecuting Christians. But what ends up happening is how God gets at people's attention. He's this horrible person that hates Christians and, and just wants to kill them. And he's walking on the road to Damascus, and what ends up happening is he comes face-to-face with God. It says he was blinded. He had a bright light blinded him. And what it is is God's, God's so powerful, so bright that actually you can't even see him. So they say that he actually came face to face with God and it blinded him and it made him completely blind and knocked him on his feet. And what ended up happening is he starts to really understand. God changes his heart and, uh, and changes everything about him and he starts to really understand what Christianity is and what Jesus did for him. I mean, he says to him, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you trying to kill me? And he's like, you know didn't understand it but that's he had the salvation experience he understood what jesus did for him and then he turned around and he wanted to serve serve god and serve christians and i'll tell you it wasn't easy for him because he actually had to go back and all these people didn't trust him of course because they just watched him trying to kill everybody and then all of a sudden he's walking around saying everybody no i'm a christian now and they're like yeah right yeah right you are But you know, here he is a guy that writes a third of the Bible later in the New Testament. He goes through and he writes so much of God's word and he has such amazing things to say and I think because he was the vilest of offenders. He was the meanest of people and he was so hurtful and rude and I'll tell you, God is so amazing because he can turn people around like that. He did for me. He did for me. And you know what, I just look at that and I just think that is the person that just amazes me in the Bible. I love Jesus with all my heart, but I'll tell you, I look at Paul and I think, there's somebody whose life is changed by Jesus. I mean, just so completely. And I'm just so drawn to that. But what ends up happening with Paul is because of his past, all his experiences that he had when he was trying to kill people. He actually says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, um, he speaks about who he was, and he speaks then about the, people, the person that he is right now. He says, For I am... The least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. So we have to understand He was who He is now in Christ because God is who He is, and that's why we take on God when we accept Jesus as our Savior. We start to put Him first, we start to do the things that are right, we become more and more like God. And we're going to be those people that we're supposed to be not ever in place of God, but we're supposed to always be drawing closer to that lifestyle, to be more kind, to be more loving, to be more gentle, to be more generous, everything like that, selfless. That is the awesomeness of God. You know, when we tell God what we are, what he does is really he goes around and he tells us what we really are after we accept him. He starts to show you the things that you have strengths in, those parts of your life that you aren't so great in, what you have to be, what you have to get figured out. I am blank, confessed in our mouths. When God hears that I am frustrated, it's like I'm saying, God, I'm frustrated. I need help. And he hears that, and he'll work on that. I think we need to let God give us a true life change. And let him tell us who we truly are. That's what's important. God has a plan. And uh, the plan has always been Jesus. It has always been. Even from the beginning of time when it was all set up, it says Jesus was there at the very beginning. When the world was created, he was there. He was there. And uh, it was all promised in the Old Testament. If you start reading the Old Testament, you can see that exactly proph- uh, you know, prophesied exactly what was going to take place when Jesus came. And the whole entire thing happens. Jesus comes to die for each one of us, who's never going to be good enough because we can't be. And uh, what ends up happening is the whole entire message of Christ, and then we have to understand that we are who we are, and we have to get our lives in order because of the promise that Jesus says he's coming back. Jesus didn't just die and go up to heaven. Yes, he sits there right now at the right hand of the Father. But his promises, he's coming back for those that are true followers of his. That's why we have to keep that first and foremost. I was talking to Pastor Dave, and we had our staff meeting this week. We were talking about it. Um, Pastor Dave and Marty and Mark, Pastor Steve's on vacation. But we were talking about the fact that this is not, I didn't realize, because I'm going to tell you, I talk about Jesus coming back all the time up here. I always have. I've always talked about it, because to me, that's the part we need to be aware of. But he said churches don't teach it anymore. People don't talk about it anymore. People aren't speaking about the fact that Jesus is coming back. And I think we need to constantly keep that first and foremost, because I think it might keep us on that firm and narrow path, don't you think? If we understand the fact that he's going to come back for us. I think that's what we need to be thinking about. I want to end with Jeremiah 1.12 that says, The Lord said to him, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. I'm coming back. So, I want you to understand that to be true to your real self and real to your true self, you really, most importantly, have to know who I am, okay? You really need to understand who God is. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you really don't understand, if you've honestly only known Jesus as his little baby, that was in this manger, or all the different things. You might not understand everything. It's fine. You don't have to understand everything. I think a lot of times we are afraid to say that we don't understand something. Man, I never went to church. When I was a kid, it was like, I, I went to, I think, to, I got taken to a, a class, like maybe on a Wednesday or something like that, once in a while by somebody. And then my mom died, and I never went back to church for years and years and years and years. Until I was 28 when I finally walked in. I mean, I went in a couple. Of course, you go into, like, funerals, you know and weddings, but I never really went to church until, again, until I was 28 years old. I was never raised with any of these Bible stories. When I first come into um, and to this church, and they would sit there and say, you know the story about, like, Moses? And I'd be like, no. You know the story about, like, you know, Noah and everything? Well, I'm like, yeah, the flood, I kind of heard about that, you know. And, but I didn't know nothing. And all those different things, I, I'm thinking, I didn't understand, I didn't know. I was afraid to tell people I didn't know. But you know what, I don't think we should ever be afraid to tell people that we don't understand exactly what God's word's saying. I think you just have to know the important things that God loves you. And He sent Jesus, who was a Son, to die for each one of us, our sins, so that we can be accepted into heaven. And all he asks is that you put him first. Treat others with respect and love. Confess your sins. Believe in Jesus Christ. Not only in your words, not the words you say, but in your heart that you truly start to believe it, and that you turn your life around and quit trying to do the same sins. You know, don't, don't get involved in that. Change. And that's what he says. And then you can have salvation. And when he comes back, he's going to come back for you. That's what it's all about. I want to pray for you. If you don't know salvation, if you want to talk to somebody, please talk to anybody that's been up on the stage or any one of the leaders that are here, or me, I'm here for you. Um, if there's something special you need prayer for later, I will pray with you. But if you ever, I mean, it's something that I want you to all understand. I think sometimes we're embarrassed to go up to someone and say, you know, I need Jesus or I want to accept Jesus. Everyone that's here has done it. I did it when I was 28. But, you know, there's people, weeks, you know, that will do it. And not too long ago, Savannah, that's an awesome thing. A couple, two, three weeks ago, that's an amazing thing. You know, that's one of the Bible talks that says the angels in heaven, you know, cry out and sing when someone accepts Jesus as their Savior. That's, a, that's so awesome. So let me pray for you, okay? Well, Lord, we just thank you so much for everything that you do for us, Lord. Who you say we are. We're so thankful, Lord, that we don't have to just get our self-worth out of what this world says we are. And just the people around us, Lord, sometimes we don't treat us with, with respect or kindness or love. I'm thankful, Lord, that you love us despite the fact that not everybody is the people around us that they need to be. I just thank you, Father, for... Um, just your promises that you made for each one of us, Lord. Every single person here that you died for them, Lord, we praise you for that. We just ask, Lord, that you would um, just draw them closer to you, Lord, that you would just work on their heart. I just pray that, Lord, if it's not tonight that they accept you, Lord, that you would just kind of continue just, Lord, with your Holy Spirit to draw them closer, help them to see that you're real. We just thank you, Father, for what you made each one of us to be, Lord, for our uniqueness. And I just pray, Father, you just help each person to recognize You, Lord, the great I am. I just thank you for everything that you've done here tonight, Lord. I just pray that you just go home with each family that's here and represented. Keep them all safe, Lord, and we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.